Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through his word. For more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now, it's time to listen to this week's message. So good to see all of you this morning. If you see me shaking up here, it's not because I'm nervous, it's because I'm cold. (laughs) How many of you like the cold? Like some people actually, oh my gosh, I don't understand you, but God bless you anyway. I don't like the cold. I like sunshine and hot, (laughs) which I know those that like the cold probably think that's weird. But anyway, so I'm a little chilly, but I believe the Holy Spirit is with us this morning and he's going to speak to us. So praise God for that. To all of you that are here for the first time, we welcome you and thank you for visiting with us. It's always a privilege for me to get to present the Word of God, and so of course this morning I'm thankful for that opportunity, and thank you to our pastors to um, give me that privilege today. Well, I hope that all of you have had a wonderful start to the new year. I know as a church, we certainly have. There's a lot of you that have joined with us in our Bible reading plan. Um, I've been doing that, and I'm actually ahead of the game for the first time, so feel pretty good about that. And then many of you have joined in growth phases. How many of you are involved in that right now, growth phases? That's wonderful. It's awesome. You know, time and time, he goes there. Time and time again, we hear so many wonderful testimonies about people going through growth phases and how God just uses that. Um, Even if they've been walking with the Lord for years and years, there's a lot of revelation that comes through that program. So, Thanks to those that are joining in on that. And then we had a wonderful corporate fast that wrapped up on Sunday. How many of you joined us for that? That's awesome. I hope that you are already seeing uh, benefits that are coming out of that. And then last week we had a powerful night of prayer in the Friday night all-night prayer gathering. How many of you got to join in on that? That's awesome. We heard a lot of testimonies come out of that, people receiving baptism of the Holy Spirit and just so many different things. So honestly, it has been an amazing start to the new year, and we're just so thankful for what the Lord is doing in this congregation. As you can see, we've got balloons today because we have people getting baptized today. I mean, what a great start to the year. We just had a baby dedication. The Lord is doing so much in our community, and I hope that you are rejoicing in that. And I hope it testifies to you that one of the most beautiful things about being a part of the local church is that you get to walk the journey of following Jesus with others. You know, God is a father. That means he has a family. We are his family, which means he has never intended for you to walk alone. So if you have ever struggled with loneliness or if you're sitting in this room right now and feeling like, I don't have friends, I don't have a family, this is your family. This is your opportunity to get into a local church and begin to experience life with Jesus and with others. Amen? So make this your home today. You know, there's a blessing that comes from everything that we do here together. When we gather, there's a blessing that only comes when you gather. There's a blessing that only comes when you serve. 
You won't get the blessing of serving if you don't serve. There's a blessing that only comes when you're part of a connect group. You won't get that blessing if you're not in it. There's a blessing that comes, you know, there's a a welcome to DP party tonight where we're going to be receiving new members. There's a blessing that comes from membership that doesn't come when you're not a member. Everything that God asks us to do, there's a blessing attached to it. And we miss out when we don't obey. So I encourage you, get connected. Begin to receive the blessing of God as you make this place a home for you. Amen? Well, we've been enjoying the series titled Overcome, Conquering Your Jericho, based on the book of Joshua. And I get to close out the series today with a message titled, A Way of Escape. Say that with me. A Way of Escape. Let's pray. Father God, we welcome you, Holy Spirit, in this place. We thank you for the blood, for the power in the name of Jesus, for the fact that you are our way of escape, for the fact that you desire that we live an overcoming life, that we can rule and reign through life. We don't have to struggle. We can rule and we can reign. We can overcome. That is your will for our life. And today, as we dig into your word, Lord, may you speak truth to us that sets us free from wrong thinking that causes us to walk wrong. Set our thinking straight so that our feet would begin to walk straight and receive every blessing that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, turn with me to Joshua chapter 2. I'm going to do a good bit of reading, so just stick with me. There's a purpose in it. In verse 1 of Joshua chapter 2, it says, Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, Look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab, Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house, because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flasks that she had laid out on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. And when we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear, and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family 
because I have shown kindness to you, give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from death. Our lives for your lives, the men assured her. If you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. Now, in the previous chapter, in chapter 1 of the book of Joshua, Moses dies, and Joshua is placed over the people to lead. And God is very clear with Joshua what his assignment is. His assignment as a new leader is to lead the people out of the wilderness that they had been stuck in for 40 years because of bad attitudes. <laughs> so he's very clear with Joshua, you're going to lead the people into the land of promise, and he says to him, be courageous, and he has promised success. Now Joshua, very quickly, if you read, he begins to set about getting the people ready. And here in chapter 2, he sends out these two spies to check out the land of Jericho. And the spies end up at the house of Rahab. Now in this story, we begin to learn that not everyone responds to circumstances the same way. Right? We learn that how you respond to your circumstance can make all the difference in whether or not you overcome it. See, some people can respond foolishly and it can lead them to be defeated. And some people can respond wisely and it can lead them out of their trouble. So I want to consider three groups of people here in this story. First, I want to consider the response of the people. Then I want to consider the response of the king. And lastly, of Rahab. Now the king finds out that there's spies in the land. And as the king, he immediately sends someone to Rahab's house and says, hey, turn those guys over. She doesn't do it. She had made a promise not to. So what do the people, the king and Rahab, all know about the Israelites? Well, read again. It says, before the spies lay down, she had said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land. There's a great fear that has fallen on us. And everyone in the country is melting with fear because we've heard about your God. We've heard about how he parted the sea for you. We heard about how kings are destroyed before you because of the power of your God. And everyone in this country is in fear of your God. So they knew a few things. First, they knew God is a God that parts the sea for those who he is God over. He knows, they know that he is a God who destroys the enemies of his people. And they know that if there's spies in the land, they're getting ready to be overcome by this God. And they're afraid. The people respond in fear. Their hearts melt and their courage fails. And then let's look at the king. The king responds as a king. He responds with resistance. He's saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. I see that other kings have been overcome. That's not going to be me. 
So I'm going to go find these spies and I'm going to get all the information that I can to get ready for the battle that's coming. He responds with resistance. And then you have Rahab. You know, I think it's interesting that the scripture will say, the scripture didn't necessarily have to say she was a prostitute, right? We wouldn't have known any different because there's not anything else in the scripture indicating that that's what she is. But it points it out. And to me, it speaks to the fact that you can be a king and still be a fool, but you can be a prostitute and be wise. And so Rahab responds with faith. Rahab opens her eyes to see there's a way of escape if I will call out to the God of the Israelites. She opens her eyes. She recognizes an opportunity to not be overcome, but to overcome by asking God to deliver her. And not just her, but her family. She recognizes God's hand of protection over the Israelites. She recognizes that he is mighty and powerful. And she understands that if she's going to overcome, she needs to seek out this way of escape. And it's only available through the God who has shown himself to be a a deliverer to the Israelites. So many of us have responded in in these same ways, right? How many of you have ever responded in fear when a situation becomes unbearable? I know I have. I can't understand what's happening. And one of the easiest things to do is to respond in fear. What's happening? What am I going to do? And some of us have responded, of course, with resistance. And then some of us respond in faith. In fear, people's courage always fails. When you are full of fear, you have no courage, no ability to say, wait a minute, This is actually not bigger than the God who is with me. So be careful of allowing fear to take away your courage. When you start feeling a lack of courage, recognize that fear has seeped into your heart. In his pride, the king thought that the way to overcome was to resist the very one who could have been his deliverance. And we do that sometimes. We resist the will of God because we think we know better than God. In her humility, Rahab understood the way to overcome was to grab hold of the hand of God. And ultimately, her response leads to her deliverance. So when you need a way of escape, how do you respond? Do you have a tendency to give in to fear? If so, you're not alone. But you need to come to the Lord and say, I have fear. I am afraid. But I know you are my way of escape. Do you resist God? Thinking, God, why are you doing this to me? If you do, you're not alone. Many have done the same. But you need to seek to say, God, I recognize that you are God 
You are the deliverer. And I call upon you with faith. You know, we live in a time where people seek all kinds of ways of escape. I don't think you could leave this room and talk with somebody outside of this um, place of worship, an unbeliever, and, and really say to them, hey, do you think life is just amazing? Do you think living in this world is just the best thing ever? Most people recognize and understand that life is difficult. And so we see all around us people seeking a way of escape. People are stressed. They're in pain. They are confused. They're lost. And all of these realities will cause people to seek a way of escape. And they'll choose the ways of drugs, promiscuity, social media, binging, television, video games, virtual reality, right? In fact, there's those that think the world is, is, is in such a bad place that they're even trying to find a way of escape through the exploration of the possibility of life on another planet. And then there's those that even are exploiting people's need of escape by offering life in an alternate reality like metaverse. It's amazing to me that people are literally spending hundreds of thousands of dollars for life in an alternate reality. They're choosing to waste their life here for one of their imaginations, seeking so desperately a way of escape from the pain, from the confusion, from the fear that's gripping their heart. And none of this is new. You know, humanity has always suffered in a fallen world because everything that we see they're trying to escape is simply a symptom of a fallen world. Poverty isn't new. Perversion isn't new. Anxiety, confusion, and stress, none of these things are new. Selfishness, people exploiting people, using people, hurting people, none of these things are new. It's all the same tactic of Satan operating by the same rules and the same agenda that he's had for generations. And people seek a way out. And when they don't have a savior, in fear and in a courage that has failed, they seek a way that's unhealthy and leads ultimately to their destruction. However, in the midst of that reality, there is the kingdom of God. It's the reason Jesus came, to bring the kingdom of God, heaven on earth. And God's kingdom is manifested through us, through his church, through believers. We are to show the way of escape. Just like the people in Jericho had heard of the king of the Israelites who had separated the sea for them, destroyed kings for them, overcame obstacles for them, we are here as the kingdom of God, as the church of Jesus Christ, to manifest the hope of the Lord, to show that there is a way of escape 
to show that there is a God who is able to bring deliverance, to show that there is hope in Jesus Christ. There is power in His blood. There is deliverance in His name. There is joy in His presence. There is comfort and there is peace in Christ. In Him there is healing for the body. There is healing for the heart. In Him there is purpose for living. In Him there is meaning. In Him you don't have to take something to cause you to think that life is good. In Christ, life is good. But there are those who will see and hear of the goodness of the Lord. And still in their pride, like the king of Jericho, they will resist. And their unwillingness to surrender their will, to surrender their own wisdom, and their bitterness that's misdirected at God, they will refuse to acknowledge truth and obey Him. The way of escape is only available to those who, like Rahab, will recognize the work of God, will choose to bow down and call on His name in faith for deliverance out of their condition. And when a person chooses to do that, they find that Jesus is the way of escape that delivers us to eternal life. You know, in this room, I am a Rahab. In this room, many of you are Rahabs. We were people lost in our sin. And we were people who chose to recognize the grace of God, the power of God, the goodness of God. And we chose to call on His name and place our faith in His Son. And when we've done that, Colossians 1 and 13 says that God made us overcomers by transferring us out of the dominion of darkness and bringing us into the kingdom of His Son. And He has redeemed us today and forgiven our sin today. And every day we can boldly say Jesus has delivered us to eternal life. But we not only find that Jesus is a way of escape that delivers us to eternal life, He's also one that delivers us into a life of godliness. Go with me to 2 Peter chapter 1. And in verse 3 it says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through knowledge of Him, through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He's given us His very great and precious promises that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. So though our deliverance doesn't take us out of this world, and man, I wish sometimes it would, that day is coming, thank God. And I remember as a little girl thinking, I never want to die, <laughs> right? That sounds so terrible. Or... The rapture, that even freaked me out more. It's like, what? Jesus is just going to come and like snatch us up? That sounds so scary. And now I'm like, Jesus, you can come on. I'm ready. Let's go. 
So our deliverance hasn't taken us out of this world, but the day is coming, praise God. But meanwhile, we have everything that we need to live godly, even in the midst of a crooked and corrupt world. You know, we don't have to live afraid that we're going to be tainted by all the corruption around us. I think sometimes as Christians, we get really fearful of living in such a crazy society right now. When the truth is, we don't have to be afraid. We're, we're in this world, but we're not of it. And the kingdom of God is within us. And we have precious promises. And everything that we have to live in a way that pleases God, we have it because of the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. And God's word is instructing us. And God's spirit is guiding us. And God's spirit will not allow our feet to slip or make a wrong turn when we're submitted to his will. We're able to experience the will of God on earth as it is in heaven. There's nothing to fear. And we have divine power, his ability, his enablement to deny the flesh, to refuse sin, and to live in obedience to the truth of God's word. We have precious promises. And listen, the reason he gives us a promise is because he knows that there is times when our faith grows weak. And it's in those times where we hang on to those promises so they can add strength to our faith. So they, they can reinforce to us the fact that we participate in the divine nature. And there's no one living in this world that's greater than the one who is in us. And because we've been made righteous, we can bear the fruit of righteousness and receive from it and have a life that's rich and full. Amen? Now, because we have all of these things, go down again to verse 5 in 2 Peter. Peter says, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, to goodness, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance. To perseverance, we are to add godliness. To godliness, we are to add mutual affection. And to mutual affection, we are to add love. Isn't it interesting that God says to us, I've given you a lot, but there's some more you need. <laughs> He's given us deliverance to eternal life. He's given us power to live a righteous life. He's filled us with this, His Spirit. And yet He says, you need to add some things. See, the truth is, though God has given us a lot, there's still a lot He wants to do in us in order to manifest the kingdom of God through us. And it's important for us to obey these commands because it affects what the people of Jericho see. And what they see will either cause them to fear, to resist, or to respond in faith. And my prayer is that our life, the manifestation that people see of the kingdom of God through our life, would cause people to not fear God in a way that causes them to run away from Him. They would not resist God, but that they would bow down in faith to Him and find Him to be the way of escape. So why do we add these things to our faith? Seems like a long list. 
And listen, God's not asking you to do it on your own. He gives you the Spirit to enable you. But we add these things to our faith to show the world there is another way. Do you know why you add goodness? Because the world needs to see that there is a way of life that is good. Do you know why you add knowledge? It's not to puff yourself up in pride of what you know. It's to show that there is a way of life that offers truth and knowledge that will actually set your mind free from fear, confusion, and despair. Isn't it amazing that we are the most technologically advanced society and yet we are the society that has the most people who deal with depression, with anxiety, with confusion. The rate of suicide among youth is skyrocketing because knowledge doesn't set people free. But when we begin to add the knowledge of the truth of God's Word, it begins to show people that godly knowledge will actually set your mind free from fear, free from confusion, free from despair. So you giving your mind over to the Holy Spirit ministers life to someone else. Amen? Why do we add self-control? It's to show the unbeliever that there is a way of life where the flesh doesn't have to control them, doesn't have to bind them to perversion and addiction. When I live a life, when my flesh is surrendered to the self-control of the Spirit, I get to show others that their life doesn't have to be controlled by everything they feel or desire in their flesh. They can find freedom from being bound to addiction and perversion. My life of godliness matters to show people a way of escape. Amen? Why do I need to add to my self-control perseverance? Well, it's to show that there is a way of life that empowers us to persevere and not live defeated. You know, your obedience to the Lord to overcome actually will empower people to see, man, I can live undefeated in life. They can if they'll find in Jesus a way of escape. We are to add to our life and our faith godliness to show that there is a way of life that is godly and pure. There's so much impurity all around us. And we are called to be people who live a life of purity. I'm not saying a life of perfection. I'm saying a life of purity in Jesus. There's a way of life that enables us to love and to serve one another, which is why God says, add to your faith mutual affection and love. Because people will see that way of life and they'll crave after it. They'll crave after it. And the way of life that offers truth, goodness, a knowledge that sets free, a purity, a self-control, that way of life is Jesus. 
And as we add these things to our faith, we get to be a lighthouse, beaconing people to come to Jesus. I hope that's what you want. I hope that's what you ask the Holy Spirit to empower you to do, to be a person that adds to their faith so people can see the kingdom of God and the king who is calling after them. So Jesus delivers us into eternal life, into a life of godliness, and he is the way of escape that delivers us from our past. Again in 2 Peter in verse 8, chapter 1, verse 8, we read, if you possess these qualities, everything that he's just told us to add to our faith, he says if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sin. Hmm. Oftentimes, what keeps us from manifesting the kingdom of God, or as Peter says here, from being effective and productive in our knowledge of the Lord is our forgetfulness. Oh man, we forget a lot. And very quickly. We forget the purpose of our deliverance. You remember, it was literally days after the people of Israel are delivered from Egypt. Ten plagues that they got to see with their eyes. The angel of the Lord protecting them from death. The Red Sea parted before them. They even got to take a bunch of stuff with them from the Egyptians. Like the Egyptians were like, here, take our stuff. They got to plunder them. And literally days after this happens, they're like, can we just go back to Egypt now? Because it really stinks out here in the wilderness. I mean, God is good. Because if I was God, I'd be like, dude, really? I'm going to put y'all back in the Red Sea and let the water go over you is what I'm going to do. He don't do that. He's nice, unlike me. Okay? But the fact is, we become ineffective. We become unproductive because we forget. We forget that the purpose of our deliverance is not just about us. God has not delivered me just for me to revel in my deliverance. He's not like, you just enjoy the deliverance just for you, Michelle. Yeah, it's all about you. Good. Yeah, enjoy it for all it's worth. We forget that the purpose of our deliverance is for godliness that leads people to see Jesus. We forget that our deliverance is about a growing relationship with Jesus. And man, Satan is so clever. Because he knows if, he, if we forget, we'll start to remember our past. We forget the goodness of God, but we very quickly remember our past. If that's not like the enemy. Forget God's goodness, forget his power, forget his faithfulness, but remember everything that you are 
in the past that was bad and focus on that. So Peter says, if you get focused on adding to your faith, allowing the Holy Spirit to work in you, transformation and formation, it will keep you from looking back. And our focus on growing every day in the knowledge of Jesus, allowing His Spirit to renew our mind to the truth of who we are, the fact that we are new, the fact that we are accepted, the fact that we've been made righteous, the fact that we've been empowered, the fact that we are called. When we focus on that, the enemy's attempt to bring us into a state of condemnation by remembering our past, it fails. So instead of focusing on the past, begin to focus on adding, adding to your faith. Allowing the Holy Spirit to renew your mind. So Jesus delivers us to eternal life, to godliness. He delivers us out of our past. And Jesus becomes then the way of escape for us always. There is never another way of escape for you. Jesus will always be your way of escape. In Joshua chapter 3, Before the Israelites could overcome Jericho, they first had to escape the Jordan. And God does a miracle. Again, he dries up the water so they can cross the river. And immediately following this, God commands the leaders to set up memorial stones to commemorate the event. It's not the first time God commands people to do this, to set up a memorial. Again, Because of the issue that we constantly have of forgetfulness. God knew if they didn't have a memorial to remind them of the faithfulness of God, they would be tempted to forget His goodness. And even though you and I have experienced the delivering power of God, it will always be our tendency to forget. And when life gets difficult, we can be vulnerable to look for another way of escape. Sometimes we'll go back to depending on self. Sometimes we'll go back to looking for wisdom in the world instead of trusting God's word and his goodness. And the truth is, while we are on the earth, we're going to constantly need to escape because there are struggles after struggles after struggles. And some of these we impose on ourselves when we choose a way of escape of our own making, right? And we have to be careful to not give in to fear and pressure. And instead, we are to wait on the Lord and trust his timing to lead us out. He's able to deliver now just like he did then. If we don't guard ourselves from this, we'll end up making a big mess of our own situation and coming right back to him anyway. So instead of doing that, just come to him first. Makes more sense. Now, some struggles are imposed upon us. How many of you can testify to that? You're living some struggles in life because of choices that other people have made that have affected you. And these are hardships that are difficult to manage. They're difficult to accept, right? We see ourselves as innocent in the situation, and we can even question God and say, why are you allowing me to hurt 
because of what someone else has done. And in these times, we have to guard from seeking another way of escape. These are moments when the enemy will tempt us to blame God and not trust Him to deliver us again. So what must you do? You must remember. Dispel the darkness of the trap of fear and discouragement with the light of the Word of God. Remember the promises and declare them in the midst of your struggle and rejoice at the deliverance that is to come because He's promised it. Amen? It's not a what if deliverance comes. It is deliverance is coming. That is His promise. Rejoice because you're about to experience the might of God again in your life. Rejoice because you're going to add another testimony to your story. Rejoice because you still have a way of escape. His name is Jesus. And remember something else that Peter teaches us. In 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7, it says, In this you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while you've had to suffer in all kinds of trials, these have come to prove so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes, even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor. So listen, when you're experiencing struggles that are imposed upon you, instead of asking, why me, God? You need to very quickly say, what are you wanting to do in me, God? How are you wanting to use this for your glory, God? How are you wanting to strengthen and grow my faith in this? And then you've got to begin to pray, God, refine me. And do it for the sake of your praise, your glory, and your honor. And listen, when you get that kind of thinking, when you remember this, then you will rejoice. You will rejoice because you know your suffering is not in vain. There's something coming that's greater. Amen? There's a blessing that's coming. There's goodness from the hand of God that is coming. And you can rejoice. Now Jesus is the way of escape that we must offer to others. In 2 Timothy 2, chapter 2, verse 25 and 26, there's an interesting verse of Scripture here. I won't go into the context much, but it says opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Listen, let's be honest. Sometimes we lack compassion for the sinner. We get caught up in judgment because it's really easy to point out sin. And we can get really frustrated at the sinner who keeps resisting God and even opposing Him. And we get really caught up in how their resistance to God affects us. And though we do have to point out sin, 
And though we do have to speak truth, we also have to remember that the lost are held captive to the will of the devil. And they need our bold truth presented to them, as Timothy says here, in a gentle spirit. And they need our intercession that God would grant them repentance, that he would turn their heart, that the Holy Spirit would break through the fear, would break through the resistance, and allow them to come to their senses, that their eyes would be open to Jesus, and that they would receive him as the way of escape. We are to offer Jesus to those held captive to the will of the devil. And so we need to begin to commit to be people who add to our faith so that we can manifest the goodness of God and compel the lost to Jesus. Amen? Amen. Well, today you remember God has delivered you, not just for you. He's delivered you for a purpose. And in every season, he's your way of escape. Let's pray. Father God, we worship you today. We thank you that you are the way of escape that leads us to eternal life. The way of escape that leads us to a life of godliness. You've delivered us from our past. And now you call us to offer others what we have received. Empower us by your spirit today, Lord, to add to our faith to add these things so people can see your kingdom manifested through our obedience. That people like Rahab would respond in faith. That they would receive your grace. And that they would find in you a way of escape. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you would like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org.